Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Dubs, your one-stop destination for footy news and dubs. Yeah, that's Amy Walsh. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Well, good morning, everyone. Just start that again and just keep rolling. I don't care. It's it's footy prime. It's uh, it's the morning. Good morning, football fans. And uh, maybe by the time you hear this, it's going to be the afternoon, the evening, maybe Saturday. I don't know. But it's going to be a fun, fun show today. Uh, no Wonga. I'm Shams. We've got Jimmy Brennan here. We've got Craig Forrest. We've got Jeff Cole. We've got the aforementioned Amy Walsh, Dubs. Hey, Dubs. You're in Dartmouth right now. Dartmouth, Nova Scotia on holiday, but yet joining us. I know. This is how much you guys matter to me. East Coast Dubs, it's right there. Now, what not you Dartmouth Prison. What's that? <laughs> said not Dartmouth Prison. I don't even know Dartmouth Prison. It's in the south of England. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used to live quite close to the Dartmouth Prison, actually. This makes a lot of sense. My mum was in there, so, you know, living <laughs> close by. There it is. We- <laughs> serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> what makes a serial killer, you know? Two, three, four. Check, check, check. Anyway. It's consistency, smart. <laughs> exactly. It's consistency, yes. Would you have joined us, Dubs, if, uh, if Ashley Lawrence hadn't have, have joined Chelsea this morning? It's a pretty big story. No, it is. Another huge moves as well. Chloe Lacasse moves from Benfica mm-hmm. to Arsenal, and then another yep. Canadian takes her, her place, and Mary Yasmin Alidou, who is from just down the street from where I live on a South Shore in Montreal. Good South Shore gal going to Benfica. And then Deanne Rose is, is now without a club. I did, yeah. Deanne Rose yeah. Is, is, is left Reading, but she'll be snapped up pretty soon, you think, somewhere. Things are moving in women's soccer, for sure. Things are moving everywhere right now with Canadian football. Of course, playing Guatemala on Saturday. Um, we, um, 
We'll have footy picks later today. Jimmy is calling the game, actually, on One Soccer on Fubo TV on Saturday. So he'll give us the intel on Guatemala. I'm looking forward to that and where we should put our money. Right, Jimmy? Yeah, put on the Canadians. Don't worry about Guatemala. <laughs> I think we said the, the same thing last week about Guadeloupe. What's that? We said the same thing last week about Guadeloupe. Yeah, look, they'll get, they got the point. Guatemala, pick up three, move into the next round. They're fine. They'll get the result. No You've got Aaron Herrera, though, Guatemala. Jimmy's like, fuck, really? Let's <laughs> start doing my research now. Not, not a problem. Not a uh, we'll problem. See. Great anyway, player, cra- great cra- service on that right flank. Crazy to pick out the draw anyway. We'll get to that later today in footy picks. But today we're going to, as, as mentioned, as promised, as, as promo the last couple of days, we've got a special guest. Um, it's a guest that we, we actually haven't had on the show, I don't think, before. I don't think. Possibly. It's been like three years now, for crying out loud. But anyway, it's been a long time coming. Um, it's Jason DeVos, Interim General Secretary of Canada Soccer. Jason, welcome to Footy Prime. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. All right. So it's been quite the week for you. It's been quite the, the few months for you, I guess, since <laughs> assuming the job. Um, all right. There's so much to get to here. Um, the interview you did with Rick Westhead on, on TSN, you mentioned that a new offer had been uh, proffered to the players, uh, a final offer, um, mm-hmm. as it was said in the interview. Um, first of all, have, have you heard back from the players? Any feedback at all from those offers? Yeah, we've had some communication with the players and their representatives, their legal counsel. Um, those talks are ongoing. You know, I think um, from my perspective, coming into this role um, with the players specifically, my objective has always been to give them what they need to perform and to ensure that they have equal opportunity, uh, equal standards of care is what I call it, is you know the, the whole experience of coming into a men's or women's national team camp should be the same. It should be consistent. So this is what we've been trying to work on. Um, it's been challenging. The, the conversations have been difficult for sure, um, but Given my my former role as a men's national team player and captain, uh, former role as an assistant coach with both the men's and the women's team, I, I have a good relationship, I feel, with both player groups. And it's really just about building relationships and, and rebuilding some of the trust that's maybe been broken over the years and uh, and, and kind of hitting the reset button with everyone to to get everyone on the same page so that we're working together as partners. Because in my mind, that's how I view it. We're partners in the growth and development of the game. We we have this incredible opportunity on the horizon as a co-host of the Men's World Cup in 2026. Um, And we want to ensure that that both of our our player groups, men's and women's, uh, benefit and use that as a springboard to create something we've never seen in this country before. You know, it's not going to come back, I don't think, in in our working lifetime uh, that Canada hosts a Men's World Cup again. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but um, this is a potentially once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And and for us, it's about hitting the reset button, working together as a team, and then trying to drive the game forward because this is going to be an incredible experience for all of us if we can get this right. You know, Jason, one of the biggest things we've talked about, I mean, is finances and the lack of really. And it's always been a problem. We go back to our day when we were traveling around. It was, you know, cattle class. I mean, we were, we were pretty much <laughs> skipping it. The, the costs yeah. are so much greater. But um, maybe tell us a little bit about what's going on now and the differences between now and back in our day, 
especially with the qualifying for the men, the amount of games yeah. that they play, the travel, the first class travel, all these different things, massive expenses. And how do we keep that standard of care for both teams at the same time trying mm-hmm. to keep some money in the in the coffers to try to be able to treat our younger teams, underage teams, and treat them properly and give them the right steps in the right direction as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Stacks, and, and we've talked about this before. Um, by no means am I advocating that we go back to cattle class, as you called it. <laughs> um, you know, I know Jimmy, Stacks, myself, Amy, you can probably tell the same stories. And, and when I talk to any of the alumni and the older generation, uh, they all kind of like look at me sideways, like, what's the problem here? <laughs> what are they complaining about? Because back in my day, and I hate saying that because I want to makes me feel old. Um, but I also <laughs> think that we know better now. Like, this is the, this is the piece we know better. Like back in, you know, back in 2000, when we when the, the men won the gold cup and we qualified for the confederations cup, I, I went back and looked at the team photo from Japan and there were six staff. Uh, there was head coach, assistant coach, goalkeeper coach. That was the coaching staff. There was a team manager. There was a doctor. There was a physio. Um, but that's what we knew at that time. And I, I think the game has evolved so much now. And, you know, the analogy that I use is that, you know, back then we, we were a very, very serviceable, you know, sedan. And now our, our athletes, men and women, are F1 race cars. And, and they need to be treated a certain way to get the best performance out of them. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, Craig, Jimmy, you guys played in, in, in England for many years, uh, as did I. Uh, we can all tell tales of unwinding ourselves from the back of an Air Canada plane and, you know, your knees around your ears and, and just your lower backs in turmoil. That's not what elite athletes need. And, and we knew it back then, but we just knew that we didn't have the resources to ask for more. And, and now we're in a situation where we know that the athletes need to be treated like F1 race cars. And so what that entails is when they're flying transatlantic flights for, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14 hours, whatever the duration is, we want them to be in business class with a lie down uh, seat so they can sleep and, and rest and, and recover a lot of times because most of these travels, as, as you both know, uh, they happen right on the back end of a match. Like typically what the players are doing is they play the yeah. game on a Saturday or a Sunday for their club and they're heading straight to the airport to get on a plane to join their national team on the other side of the world. So they they need to go through a recovery process from that match. And they often show up with a niggle or an injury or something. I mean, you, you'll both say the same and Amy, you'll probably agree. The only game that I wasn't carrying an injury was the first game of the year. <laughs> Cause you usually, you pick something up along the season. So mm-hmm. it's all about player care and, and, and ensuring that they have the resources that they need to recover and then go and perform for their nation. So there's a, there's a lot of changes to the environment. I mean, I, my first experience with the women's team was back in 2013 and uh, I, I couldn't believe how far advanced they were in relation to what I experienced when I finished my playing career in 2008. Um, John Herman was the head coach at the time. And and I was just amazed at how professional it was and and the steps that were being taken to look after the players. And that's evolved in the last 10 years, that's evolved to another level altogether. And so for me, I think what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to ensure that we have enough resources to give the athletes, the men and the women, as well as the youth players, 
the resources that they need, that same standard of care. So if you walk in as a, as a first time player, like we had a, a, the other night against Guadalupe, we had, you know, players making their debut and being involved in the first, for the first time with the senior men's national team. If you walk in for the first time to a men's national team camp or a women's national team camp, the bar is is up here and and you get the same standard of care uh, regardless of which environment you're in. So this all costs money. Uh, I mean, I I don't know if any of you have traveled lately, but the cost of flights has gone up exponentially. You know, the the global pandemic has really hurt a lot of industries financially. Um, Hotels, food, travel costs, everything has gone up. And unfortunately, for you know multiple reasons, Canada Source's revenue streams have not really increased significantly during that period of time. So um, it's a challenge. Um, you know, go back to the, the the point about the qualification campaign for the men. Um, you know, some of the windows involve free games, and we've never had that before. Typically, the the qualification windows previously on the men's side have been two matches in a window. And to have three games and to go from Honduras to Hamilton to El Salvador, for example, is virtually impossible using commercial airlines. So you don't have a choice, but you have to charter a plane to be able to get their players in between those destinations and put them in position to succeed by giving them the optimal preparation. So there's a lot of factors that play into this. It's not one thing, I would say, that is contributing to this. It's just a multi-layered um, reality of what we're dealing with from a financial perspective. So what are, what are concrete steps that you think you can take now as interim general secretary to, to restructure the federation in a way that you have said you want to remove obstacles for players to, to ensure their success. So how do you do that now as, as general secretary, do you have to restructure it so that you can provide the, all of the things that you just mentioned to these players so that they can succeed on the pitch? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think there's a lot of different things that we're doing now. Um, w- one of the key aspects of, of um, me being in this role is the relationship that I have with both head coaches, John and Bev. Um, you know, I feel like we work very well together. We have a very good understanding. We have a shared purpose, which is to take this game where it's never been before um, in, in, in both of our, our, uh, our national team areas. So Working together collaboratively, sharing best practices, sharing ideas on how do we do things, you know, getting the managers, the team managers together to, to work through sharing of resources. You know, when, when the men are booking travel, booking camps, you know, who are they talking to? Who are they utilizing? You know, as, as I'm sure you all know, football is about relationships. It's about building relationships with people around the world. And, and that's a big, big part of my role as the interim general secretary. Um, and and I, I look at some of the recent work that we've done in that space. We've had really positive discussions with the Mexican Federation, their new leadership team as well. Um, Charmaine, uh, the president and myself sat down in, in Vegas um, when we were there for the Nations League finals and, and had a, a very positive working lunch with the Mexican leadership and talked about how we can work together and share resources and share ideas in the lead up to 2026 and beyond. So, you know, these types of relationships and, and building those kind of networks is a really important piece of this. Uh, then trying to optimize opportunities to play games. You know, it's a, it's a really challenging uh, multifaceted puzzle. Um, and I think all three of the host nations for 2026 are going to be in this, uh, this situation where, we don't have to go through a qualifying campaign. So we're going to have to work to try and fill windows, but the availability of other teams to come and play against us or for us to go and play against them, if it's elsewhere in the world, 
uh, is going to be limited. So we really have to work together on this stuff and, and make sure that, um, you know, we're all pulling in the same direction. Um, with respect to generating revenue, there's a bunch of different things that we're looking at. And I've, I've spoken to several of you already about uh, an alumni committee or council of some sort and, and working together to really engage the, the, the former national team athletes like yourselves who have played for Canada, who have proudly represented this country. Uh, and then tying that into the philanthropic community in Canada, um, you know, who, who wouldn't want to sit down and, and have a, a dinner with you know, Jim Brennan, Craig Forrest, and Amy Walsh, or or play yeah, a round exactly. of golf. You know, yeah, exactly. Really. <laughs> Charms, Charms, you're, you, Charms, you're not the target audience for this, no. I don't think. <laughs> um, he, does, he doesn't but, but share this... his desserts anyway, so you wouldn't want him there. <laughs> yeah, one meal, one meal, Amy. <laughs> you know, but but this is something that we're working on behind the scenes right now, and, and we're hopefully going to be announcing this pretty soon, is that, you know, we want to be able to engage the, the alumni and work with the alumni to promote the game. I mean, I've, I've talked to talked to all of you on separate occasions. I've talked to all kinds of alumni over the last couple of months. Everyone wants to help. Everyone wants to be part of this. Everyone wants to see our men and women succeed and to help. So, you know, I think you said it the other day, Craig, like everyone's going to get behind us if we actually have a plan and we're going to work together. And I think that's the piece that's most important, but it's about building relationships and building back trust. So, so to provide for the players, like you mentioned there, and yeah, absolutely, they deserve to be treated a certain way. But under the current reality of the current CSB deal, uh, the, the reports are that the players want 40% each prize money. Under that reality, is it possible? Um, I can't really speak to the, the previous offers or the previous demands that the players have had. All, all I can talk about is what I've done since I've come into this role. Um, I'm very fortunate because... I'm surrounded by expertise and I, I'm, I'm, you know, as a former center half, I've headed a lot of footballs, probably killed a lot of brain cells, but I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. And I've, I've been able to tap into a network of really intelligent people. Um, our board of directors, as an example, is full of very, very smart people. There's three accountants on our board who are, are very intelligent and, and I'm not lying when I say I've spent more time with some of them than I have with my own family for the last two months because I'm trying to wrap my head around how we're going to do this moving forward and, and where the challenges are and how we can unlock some of those challenges. And they've been very, very supportive and very, very helpful. So, you know, it's really about, you know, what can we afford as an organization? And, and for me, the starting point is we have to ensure that the environment for the players are consistent across both the men's and the women's programs. So again, I call that the standard of care. So how do, how do you travel into the environment? What does the environment look like when you get there? What are the training facilities look like? What is the staff support that's around you? So we put minimum staffing standards in place across both, uh, both programs. And I've worked with John and Bev to determine what those minimum standards should be. That's going to come. All of that is going to come at a cost. And then the other aspect of, of any sort of CBA is compensation for players. And the reality is we're limited in what we can offer in that space. So, you know, I don't want to take away from programming to increase compensation because I don't think that's going to have the desired outcome of better performance on the field. Um, taking away from that standard of care, from the, the support mechanisms that the players need in their environments to succeed 
is going to have a detrimental impact on performance. So that's kind of the non-negotiable for me is that we've got to get that piece right. And I've got to work with the players on this to figure out what they feel they need and what's important to them. And, and obviously work with the coaches on this as well. What do they need to have optimal performance on the field? And then we can talk about what's left over and what can go towards compensation. But the challenging piece of this is everyone wants more money. Everyone wants to be paid more money. But at the moment, we're in a position where we're not able to fully fund our youth programming. We're not able to fully fund our grassroots programs, our coach education initiatives, our equity, diversity, inclusion programs. We've got a great program that we're launching right now called She Can Coach that I'm really excited about, which is a women's coaching program created by women, run by women, for women. And it's really exciting, but we're, we're working to try and find more funding to be able to support that programming. So it's not a case of if we get an extra $10, that $10 is going to go to compensation for players. It's if we get an extra $10, how can it go to supporting our programming so that we're not in a deficit position, that we're actually able to support the future, we're able to give the youth the programming that they need so that they can be competitive and we're able to support grassroots. How did the accountants uh, come up to, with 80%, uh, Jason, if they're, I mean, I'm going to say if they're that smart, I mean, what's going on here? Well, I, I, can't, I can't speak for what was done previously. <clears throat> I can only speak I for what I've done. And, and what I've done is I've looked at, at the, the previous offers and realized very quickly that they're not sustainable. It, it's not possible for us to do this. So, you know, I've worked with our board and I've worked with the chair of our audit and finance committee, a gentleman by the name of Brian Burden, who is absolutely fantastic and been a, an incredible source of, of insight and knowledge for me to rely on. Um, and I've worked with our CFO, Sean Heffernan, to try and model what the next three, four years is going to look like from a revenue perspective and how we can give the players as much of the World Cup prize money as we can, knowing full well that a large percentage of that money needs to go towards their programming costs over the next few years. So it's a it's a balancing act. You know, it's you're, you're trying to get it right. You're trying to make sure that you you. You don't overspend, um, but you also don't want to, you know, underspend for lack of a better term. We, we want to invest. And this is the way that we kind of look at it is all of the money that um, that the organization will receive from Qatar and Australia, New Zealand is going to be reinvested back into the national team programs, either through programming costs or through compensation. If, if compensation increases, then programming costs will, 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 or programming revenue that we can invest in programming will decrease accordingly. It's, it's not that there's any more money coming in. So it's a balancing act and, 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 you know, working with the players to have them understand that we can't give you the standard of care that you're asking for if your compensation demands are too high. Um, that's the challenge and the, and the balancing act that we're trying to find. Yeah. I think, I mean, to go on what you've just mentioned there, I mean, my question was, is this deal that's put in place now, is this a short-term deal that would be revisited or will it be a long-term deal that you guys are looking to put in place? Yeah, I, I think just given the time crunch, Jimmy, that, that the women are in the World Cup preparation phase right now. They're in Australia, they're in camp, they're, they're raring to go and they're excited. Like, I just don't think there's enough time for us to get a long-term deal in place. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that this is going to be a deal for this year and for the World Cup monies to be decided and, and determined that's going to put us on a sound footing to move forward and, and start talking from a position of trust and, and mutual respect and partnership. 
you know, that's the piece that's most important for me in this is that the players know that there's, there's no shell game here. Like we're trying to help them. We're trying to support them. We're trying to give them everything that they need to succeed on the pitch. Um, and, and that's going to come with, with some challenges um, given our current reality. So we've made a lot of progress. Um, you know, I've, I've given the players everything that they've asked for in terms of, you know, transparency for me, that's one of the biggest pieces here is to rebuild that trust uh, so that the players know that I'm, I'm on their side. And I've said this before in, in other interviews, e- even though I'm, I'm old and my lower back would, would argue against this. I still feel like a player. I still feel, I still feel like I have the mindset of a player. Um, and, and I understand what they're fighting for. Cause I, I fought for the same things, you know, you and, and stacks and I, we fought for the same things, Amy, you yeah. fought for the same things on the women's side. So, you know, I, I understand where they're coming from, but I think the most important piece and what we're trying to establish here is we're partners in this. You know, the players in, the, in Canada soccer are partners. We're on the same team. We're teammates. Let's figure this out. Let's work together. Let's get this done. And then we can move forward and, and look to get something in place for the longer term. Do you think it helps as well, Jason, that you've, you've played for this national team? You've been in negotiations with this national team. And now you're actually getting to see behind the scenes how it works, the finances. And when you do present to the players, do you think there's a, a bit of respect and honesty knowing that you've been there and saying, okay, players, this is what we have and this is all that we can, we can ask for? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, this is, this is kind of what I said to the players at the get-go. I said, look, I'm not asking you to trust Canada soccer. I know that there's been you know, a lot of trust broken. A lot of things have happened. A lot of things have been said that you maybe don't, don't, don't want to trust Canada soccer as an organization. I'm asking you to trust me, Jason, you know, I'm, I'm a former player. I'm a former coach. Um, I've I've always tried to do the right thing for you. You know, that I I think my relationship with the men is a pretty close one, given the last two years of, of being full-time assigned to John's team as an assistant coach and working with the team, qualifying for Qatar, the Kings of CONCACAF, like what the players did in the last two years on the men's side is, is phenomenal on the back of a phenomenal experience as world champions, Olympic gold medalists for the women. I mean, we're in a position right now where we should be celebrating our players and celebrating the game. But unfortunately we're in a position where we're fighting and that has to stop. We, we have to stop. We got to put our weapons down and we've got to start working together to support each other and, and work together as partners. Cause we really are. I mean, whether regardless of what happened in the past, we're partners in this. And my job as the interim general secretary is to support all of our players across all levels of the game but everyone knows that the national team athletes are the flagship of the game in our country. They are the, they are what everyone looks at as the gold standard. I mean, it was in Vegas um, for the nation's league final. And there was a couple of kids in the lobby and I was standing there watching them and I was watching the kids because the, the, you know, and you've seen this all as players when you, when you walk, you know, you're walking to the bus and all the kids are there and they all want your autograph. And their eyes just light up and you, you can actually see the moment where they're inspired by there's Alfonso Davies, there's Jonathan David, or there's Jesse Fleming, there's Kanisha Buchanan. And that's the moment. Like I still remember mm-hmm. 1986 as a 12-year-old, that was the moment for me where I went, I want to play for Canada. I want to go to a World Cup. I want to do that. And, and that moment is absolutely crucial for the growth of the game. So when, when we talk about players and the importance of our national team players, they are absolutely role models, men's and women's for all kids in our country. And this is the piece that we have to get right. And I'm hopeful 
that my relationship with them and, and my past in the game um, as, as one of them is going to help us to rebuild that trust. Mm-hmm. But to clarify, um, Jason, right now, the women in Australia haven't got a deal for this World Cup. So they, they could hit the field potentially in the opener without having a deal in place. That, yeah, I mean, as, as, a, as a player, that's got to be so distracting for them. Sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, and this is why the urgency on this is so important. And we've been working, I mean, I, I joke around um, with my staff and I say, I, I only work every waking hour of days that end in Y. Uh, and that's kind of the way it is right now. Um, we're trying to get this done as quickly as we can. And, you know, there's been some really, um, there's been some really challenging conversations, but some really positive ones as well. Um you know, and, and some of the players have just risen to the occasion here. I, I, and I don't like singling individuals out, but I, I think, you know, someone like Janine Becky has been an absolute rock star throughout this. I mean, she's dealing with the, the, the huge disappointment of missing out on a World Cup through injury. But her leadership through this process for the women's team has been phenomenal through the negotiation. Mm-hmm. She's been in every call. She's answered questions. She's always been calm and rational. And she's always looked to do what's right for the game. Um, but also fight for her teammates and for what they believe is right. So I got a lot of respect for, for the players and, and how they've gone about this. They've been very professional and we're working as hard as we can to get this done. Ideally, we get something done before the World Cup starts so that the players can go into competition and not have to think about this. And I'm hopeful that we can get there in, in the next little while. Hey, Jason. You, sorry, uh, Amy. I just go back to the kids part of it and the eyes lighting up. And that's very true. I remember being a youngster, seeing Bruce Grobelar at Vancouver Whitecaps and seeing our national team play back in the 80s. And and then what that meant to me. Uh, and then I see the Guadalupe game, Honduras game before that, half empty stadiums. And I think I know you guys got a lot of, on your plate, but. I think that those empty seats are missed. Those that's that's basically revenue and opportunity for young people to have the same experiences that you talk about, that I talk about, Amy and uh, and Jimmy about seeing these heroes and missing that opportunity because we don't play a lot of games at home. And how do we get that price point right to get these kids out? Because I think there must be about three hundred fifty, four hundred thousand registered players in Southern Ontario. Yeah, it's a great point, Craig. And I know you raised this previously. I, I think from our perspective, it's about getting, you know, the market research to understand what the price point should be. You know, I'm, I've always been a big believer, and I think John and Bev will will support this, that a full stadium is better than a half-empty stadium. Um, you know, I think it's about getting an opportunity to work with uh, the clubs across this country who, who, you know, want to be able to get their, their, their young players into BMO Field, for example, in Toronto to watch games. It's challenging if it's on a weeknight during the school year, because, I mean, I'm sure those of you who are parents will, will attest to this. It's, it's tricky. You know, you're a full-time chauffeur for your kids if they're of that age, elementary school and, and, and early high school. Uh, so it's challenging. They've got a lot of activities on the go, but I think the price point is going to be a really important piece as well. And, and that's something that we have to do a better job of and, and understand what that looks like. Um, you know, for the gold cup, the, 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 the ticket sales are, are handled by CONCACAF. It's, it's obviously not a Canada soccer property where it's a tournament that we're participating in. So I can't really speak to that, but on the Honduras one, the, the home game, you're absolutely right. We've got to do a better job on that. And, and that's something that we're looking at for the next time. I was just going to ask earlier, kind of piggybacking on Sharms' question and Jimmy's prior, um, just more clarity on on the women and the lack of a deal in, in place. Like uh, Christine Sinclair talked about wanting to have a deal in place. It wasn't going to prevent them from hopping on the plane. And now we've seen them at training that that's a non-issue. Um, but it, w- was there a possibility to unbundle 
the women's team from that general CBA and to offer them something for this World Cup and then the two qualifying games against Jamaica for Paris 2024. Because in your opening statement, you talked about uh, the World Cup that Canada's hosting jointly in 2026, but glossed over the fact that our women are competing at the World Cup in less than a month. Yeah, it's it's um, it's possible, Amy. Um, I think the the players have been very clear that they want to work together on this. So the women and the men have have told us very clearly that they want to pool and share um, prize money from both tournaments. And we have made our best and final offer to them. And and we've taken some feedback from them as well and and rejigged things um, to to align to what they're looking for. And we've done everything that we can at this stage. And we're just waiting to hear back from the players whether they're they're going to accept the offer. So I'm hopeful that this is going to happen. Um, You know, again, it's it's been... Uh, it's been a journey for the last two months. It's 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 basically been priority one A, one B, one C uh, for me to try and get this resolved with the players. And I'm hopeful that we can get that done. I'm hopeful that the players uh, who have received uh, our our amended and updated uh, offer based on their feedback from last week. And uh, I'm hopeful that they're going to to you know make a decision on this and and hopefully move forward in a positive way. So. Uh, it's there. The possibility is there for sure. Uh, and it's just a question of of hearing back from the players and then trying to figure out timing on this. Jason, uh, you used the word bankruptcy earlier this week and Canadian soccer nation went ballistic. You've you clarified those comments since that, you know, this this association is not going bankrupt. You're doing your due diligence. Um, but how surprised were you when you took the job um, as to the, 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 the dire straits that Canada soccer finds itself in financially. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll touch on the first piece first. Charms. <laughs> I mean, I played over 500 games of football in my life, um, and and Amy Stacks, Jimmy, you know, you you probably played the same, if not more. Um, not one of them was perfect. I made a mistake in every single one of those games, and I said coming into this, I'm I'm going to make mistakes, and when I make mistakes, I'm going to put my hand up, and I'm going to apologize. Um, I made a mistake. Uh, I, I, you know, I didn't clarify my my position with respect to bankruptcy and and my understanding of it. It's it's really only from my own knowledge and understanding. So, you know, it's important for me to understand what this means. I mean, I studied economics in university way back when, and this was pre-internet. Back back when they sent you books in the mail. <laughs> And, and that's how you did distance learning. Um, I was a young professional player in England trying to make my way and, and doing economics via distance learning. So I understand finance and I, I can speak the language, but I'm, I'm not an accountant. And I need to understand what this could mean for an organization like Canada Soccer. But I also have learned enough in this period of time to know this is absolutely not going to happen. We will not let this happen. I will not let this happen. Our board will not let this happen. And it's not going to happen. Um, so it was really just more around my education. Uh, in terms of the, the finances of the organization, obviously, as the director of development in my previous role, I, I was aware of what our financial constraints were. Um, and and I, you know, our, our financial statements, our audited financial statements are published on our website. So you know, I'm, I'm aware of, of the reality of what we're dealing with at the moment and the challenges that we face. But as I said before, um, there's other avenues that we're looking at and exploring, in- including the philanthropic uh, arm of the organization. We're in discussions with CSB around how we can update and modernize the representation agreement. 
looking at different ways that we can work together to offset some of the costs that are associated with our programming and how we run that. And we've also had a really positive response from our membership who have offered to increase the membership fees, but we haven't firmed up what that's going to look like yet, in part because I don't want to ask for too much and I don't want to ask for too little. I want to make sure we get this right and make sure that whatever is being requested is going to be invested back into the programming that matters most to the membership. So, you know, the, 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 the membership fee hasn't changed in the best part of seven years And as you all know, as consumers, everything today is more expensive than it was seven years ago. So even just matching the consumer price index hasn't happened. So, you know, on a go forward basis, I think everyone's come to the table and said, okay, let's figure this out. Let's work together. Let's see how we can help Canada Soccer, how Canada Soccer can work with us as partners and find a way forward. And and that's exactly what we're trying to do. Jason, looking at the CSB deal, what is your opinion of that? And is it something that we can work with or does it need to change? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's been pretty clear in in the comments that have been made publicly about this, that the the agreement, you know, was made back at a time when we weren't gold medalists. We hadn't qualified for the World Cup on the men's side. Uh, The CONCACAF qualification process hadn't changed. I mean, you referenced this earlier, Stacks, about 20 games for the men over an 18-month period. Like, it was the most intense qualification campaign we've ever had to experience. So, it's a challenge and, and, you know, costs have gone up significantly since that time. So there needs to be a, a discussion around how that agreement gets updated and, and restructured and potentially renegotiated. And we're having those conversations. You know, I think I've said this before. I, I know the value of this DPL better than anyone, I think, because I was lucky enough to be a teenager when the last you know, men's professional league existed in this country, the old Canadian soccer league. And I know you didn't play in that, Craig, because you were already in England at the time. And Jimmy, you were a little too young for it. But I was just in right in that wheelhouse of 16 to 18. And if I didn't have those three years of playing against the Vancouver 86ers, John Catliff, Dominic Mobilio, uh, one week, and then the Toronto Blizzard, P- Paul Pesky-Solido the next week, and then the Hamilton Steelers, Alex Bunbury the next week. Like That's the player pool for the senior men's national team uh, playing up front. As a teenage center back, Like I couldn't have had a better proving ground. So if, if I didn't have that vehicle, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have played for my country. I wouldn't be working for Canada Soccer. I wouldn't be involved in soccer right now. So the importance of a, of a national league is crucial. And I'll extend that to the women's game. The importance of Project 8 and setting up a professional women's league is absolutely crucial to the development of the game in our country. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. But I've said this before. The, the, the agreement can't come at the expense of our men's and women's national team. That's the flagship of the game in our country. We have to find a way to properly resource our men's and women's national team program from youth all the way to senior so that more players are going to have the opportunity. And that can't come at the expense of professional leagues. So we've got to work together on all of these things to find solutions because all of these things are equally um, important to the ecosystem of soccer in our country. You know, you talk about kids aspiring to be national team athletes. You don't go from youth soccer to the national team. There's all these stepping stones along the way. So you look at the, the expansion of League One as, a, as an opportunity to develop players across the country. You look at CPL, you look at Project 8, you look at MLS, you look at these professional environments. Those are important. And those are stepping stones to a higher level of the game, potentially in Europe for both men and women, potentially this, uh, to the United States, men and women, and other leagues around the world. That's then the stepping stone to the national team. So it's about how all these puzzles come together, these puzzle pieces come together to fit into the big picture of what we're trying to do to develop players in this country. Jason, uh, it's a big job, obviously. Um, good luck. Uh, some important few days, few weeks ahead, obviously. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We'd love to get you back on at some point because we could keep doing this for, for a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate the time. Um, I, was, I was hoping to get, go down memory lane a little bit with you guys. But, we'll do that. Um, very, we'll, very serious we'll that. questions. Very serious questions. Hey, listen, if, if we this is, that, this we'll is be... probably the most serious episode you've ever had. I think <laughs> it is, by far. <laughs> we had Mark Noonan on a few weeks ago. That's pretty serious, too. Honestly, at, at this point, Jason, we'll be hammered by our listeners if we did that. We'll do at some point, and we'll regale some of your, your stories of your former teammates here. But thanks so much. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, team. See you soon. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. That's Jason DeVos, uh, Interim General Secretary of Canada Soccer. Yeah, really interesting chat, that. Um, What what I got out of it, probably the biggest takeaway for me at this point is the previous deal that Canada Soccer presented the players publicly, we're very proud of, is completely impossible and infeasible, it seems, from, from what Jason was saying with the current state of the game. How, mm. how is that possible? These weren't, these weren't idiots. These are people that understood money and the finances and saw the books. If that's the case, how was it ever profit to the players in the first place? I don't think anybody agreed with it, did they? Because when it came out, the deal, everybody went, how the hell are we offering this deal to everybody? Yeah. It just didn't make sense. But, but it was certainly and and like media wise, those are the headlines, right? Like that our two national teams were turning down, becoming the the second highest paid national teams in the world. That yeah. was what they took and ran with. Is that so Amy, was do you it, think that's why the players? Do I don't know. Think, Amy, do you think it's why the players maybe didn't sign off on it? They probably saw it and thought this isn't possible. We we can't get we can't sign this. <laughs> Can't, can't afford good. this. Can you, can you imagine the flip side of this? If, if they flip to say, we can't sign this. This, this will never work. <laughs> and they must have went, I think they've made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely this think point, they've stopped. made a mistake. I think Jason's thought the same thing too. Yeah, probably. Oh, he must have looked at the deal and just went, what the hell is going on? Right. I mean, he's, trying, he's being diplomatic about it, obviously, and he has to be, but my goodness, my goodness. And then we didn't even touch on the Nike deal. I mean, 
how did that come about? We're the only country in 26 that isn't even going to receive a dollar, and we can't even get kit that's any better than a $22 short socks and shirt that you can get from your club side. It's, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, I, I feel for Jason because he's got a really big job and he talks about challenges. There's challenges, Amy, coming from everywhere, isn't there? And if he can pull this off somehow, some way, he'll deserve an awful lot of credit. But I think it's interesting, isn't it, that a former player comes into this position and there seemed to be some, well, an improvement in communication, which is uh, massive. Yeah. And also a head on his shoulders that he says, hey, hold on a minute. There's a few things not going to work here. Yes, but there's a lot of political speak in those answers and not a lot of concrete Mm -hmm. um, sort of paths to how you arrive at the destination in terms of reconciling. You know, he's an ex-player and he has that perspective coming in. They don't have a lot of uh, resources to work with, but they want to provide equity to both of these national teams. They still want to uphold the grassroots and the youth programming. So how do you do that? How do you actually get there? What, what is your strategic plan to do that? Not projecting, you know, 2026 and beyond, but like on the business side, how do you maximize the performance on the, on the field, but then also generate the revenue? He talked a lot about mm-hmm. theories and, and ways to do it, but talked in a circle and didn't really offer anything concrete. So I, I was a little bit. I don't think he has the answers right now. No. I really don't. No, and that's fair. So maybe yeah. say it in the way that he, he offered up an apology for talking about bankruptcy. Again, I see that as a tactic as well to be like shiny object, like things are very, very dire. So I'm going to use this word and it's going to be, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll glean a little bit of sympathy from from the public. And maybe that's a bit cynical from my perspective, but that's well, what also, I saw I it as. Sending that message to the players as well, I think. Just yeah. doing, man, we're in a lot of shit here. I don't know what you think you can get, but we can't afford to pay it. You know, just slipping that word in there. But yeah, hey, listen, he was hands up uh, on this chat. Um, what do you think about increasing membership fees? If it's been seven years, I mean, that would generate a lot of revenue. Do you think the average punter out there would be prepared to, to yeah. pay a few extra bucks? Right. There's, there's, there's a lot more to it, though, because as much as they would like to increase it, all these non-for-profit organizations have to pass it through board. So if the board says, no, we're not going to increase membership fees, then the CSA is not getting in anything. So it's a difficult mm-hmm. process. It's not like they can just come out and say, okay, we're going to add $10 to every registration. It doesn't work like that. But why so would the board a, say no, do you think? Why would, the, why would the board have an issue with it? Well, you got to keep in mind too, when you look at a lot of these local non-for-profit boards, a lot of them don't have soccer people on them. A lot of them are just parents whose mm-hmm. kids are involved in the organization. They don't really care about the Canadian national team program. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them don't care about the competitive side of their programs. They're more interested in the recreational. So they'll be thinking, well, why am I increasing my rec- recreation fee to yeah. give money to a Canadian soccer association that I really don't care about? So it's it's going to be a long process. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be a lot of discussions, um, obviously, with the provinces, connecting with the districts, and then the districts with the clubs. So it's uh, it's not as easy as what you think. It's going to be a long process, but hopefully they can get everybody to sway into increasing membership fee by a few dollars. Now, if they came out and said $20 each player across the board, you got no chance. Yeah, it's never but, happening. No, but if they can increase it, you know, maybe $3, $4, whatever, whatever it is. Then that what is it now? I don't know whether it's maybe 7 to $10 already. I think it's around 7 that the Canadian yeah. Soccer Association gets because you got to think from every membership and everybody that's uh, 
once you pay your fee into your local club, now some money goes into the district, some money goes into the province, and then some money goes into the Canadian Soccer Association. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much that is though right now? The uh, the overall, what is the registration cost? The average person oh, for it, a player? It, it, it varies. I mean, for, your house, league, club, yeah. You're, yeah, you're, for your house league program, you're probably looking maybe 275 bucks, and the kids get maybe a 15-week program. You get your kit that costs you maybe 13 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever it is. And then that's mm -hmm. where most clubs make all their profit is through the recreation. Your competitive side, pretty much you, you finish, you, you come out with a zero balance. There's not much money that you make on the competitive mm -hmm. side. All and Jimmy, Jimmy, tell me this as well. The, 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 the house league really represents what? 80% of a club basically. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, majority yeah. of your club comes from recreation. And then what a lot of clubs end up doing is they'll subsidize money to put towards other pieces of, of your organization, whether you have League One or maybe you're under-21s or maybe help out with a little bit of the competitive side. But your, your, your biggest income is through your recreation and through sponsorship if you can get them. Right. If, you're, if you're spending 300 bucks a player already, what's 20 bucks? Who's saying no to that? Like, like, like was Jason said... Costs across the board are going up, right? We've had to increase our pies in my pie business. We hate doing that with a freaking passion. We have no choice. Everything goes up. 20 bucks? It's been seven years since there's been an increase? Pay the can fucking we, money. Can we do a chart? Remember, I think I've referenced this in the dark web before the guns and the butter, like in the wartime and like the, the, the prices and the supply demand. Can we do a... Um, Charmin's proper pies versus registration costs on the yeah, X we? and a Y axis. Let's I love do that. that. Okay, Rhonda, get on it. Yeah, but I have to say, so for my twins in, in U9, competitive now. So I actually wanted to ask Jason about the skill center that he, that he instituted as the, the player development role and like any outcome monitoring, monitoring that they've done for that and how it's going to impact the future generation. But we didn't have enough time to get to it, but U9, that's when you start having that competitive aspect in this new skill center in the CDC. And um, for my twins, it was 1100 bucks for, for, you know, so 550 bucks each mm -hmm. for them to play. So then again, as, as you break that all down, as Jimmy said, you know, it's going to your association, going to your province and various things. And so, like, I agree with you, Sharms, if you're going to add, you know, $3 to each registration to bump it, say, from 7 to 10 or whatever that number is, I think it's a drop in the bucket. I, did, I think Jimmy's right, though, by this, the, the fact that I think these the heads of the clubs that have to make the decision, they're not in their positions because they're trying to make the top of the CSA happy. They're in that position because they're making the parents and the players happy underneath them to get into that position in the first place. And it makes it very difficult for them to vote. Yeah, I remember back in the day, they were trying to raise it at like two bucks. And it was it was a battle. And I don't even think they got it. So yeah. I, there's no chance. And plus, we're just, I mean, what you talk about there, I mean, those are incredibly high prices. That There's a one in three families in Canada can't afford register, uh, you know, uh, organized sports. And it's, mm -hmm. it, we're, we're asking more from them all the time. It's really, really, it's just a tough situation that we're going to ask for them because we have no other way to raise money that we're going to take it from the kids. It's, it's, it's reality, I suppose. Yeah, it is. It's difficult. I mean, you, there's there is a lot of strain on on local clubs as well. I mean, mm. look, my one of my kids plays competitive, you know, and you could be paying maybe twelve hundred bucks for the season, right? For the the summer season, right? Then you're going to go into OPDL. You're talking maybe thirty five to forty five hundred dollars to play at on, Ontario the, the OPDL. 
And then after that, then they've got League One, a lot of the clubs. And now they've got a subsidized cost somehow to, to pay for this League One. And League One, the players don't pay, right? And the clubs, it's a strain on a lot of the clubs as well. Then you got the under-21s. Again, it's a strain on the clubs because they're non-for-profit organizations. You know, it's not like it's, it's a private sector where someone's coming in with loads of money and, and paying for all this. There's a lot of, lot of demand on these local clubs, and, and a lot of them are hurting. A lot of them are losing membership and financially are struggling. I mean, even, even in this area here, in the north part of Toronto, like it's, there's some clubs that could be folding over the next year or two because they can't, just, they can't sustain it. It's a major issue, clearly. But, uh, and it's not as if, as we know, private Canada is prepared to help pay for this game in this country we've seen that over and over again i think canada soccer's having that same issue those those you know 20 million dollar deals aren't just you know coming through the letterbox every day they're not wish they were but they're not qualifying for one world cup hasn't got that done maybe as, as 2026 approaches maybe there's more money uh you got to find it from somewhere i suppose but it isn't that easy but i know if you're already paying you know a grand for you to play soccer i understand it's a lot of money but another 20 bucks Doable, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it fair for those that can't afford it. I understand that. That's a different topic almost entirely, right? Yeah. Well, it, uh, keep, in, keep in mind too, Sharms, a lot of people don't just have one kid. No, I know. Oh, yeah, I get Two, it. three, okay. you, you increase everything. Yeah. And, it, it, and if you want your kid to improve and play more advanced football, it's going to cost more money. Any sport is the same thing, right? Yeah, it, it does add up. Yeah. yeah. Before, before we move off this, I could, I could hear you transitioning there, Sharms, in your voice that we were moving to something else. <laughs> you like my but- wife. You can tell. <laughs> Um, I knew there was a seg in there somewhere. So I, I didn't, I didn't want to get too salty with, uh, with Jason, but like, I wanted to ask him like the, the, the way that, and this is, I think prior, if I'm remembering the timeline prior to him being named interim general secretary, how the funding was pulled from our women's team very early on. And they went through the, you know, all that, that strife at the, she believes cup and then legal action was threatened, all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. is, perhaps a failure to perform at this women's world cup is that on our federation They'll, that our women will still be expected to perform right number seven mm-hmm. in the world um a very difficult group to navigate to navigate um but can you point the finger squarely at them like that and i've said this before in this podcast that would never have happened in um you know the, the runway of time prior to the men's world cup in Qatar. it just never would have happened well, and yet it's okay to do it before the women's world cup the, the Liberal government blamed the Conservative government of the past for the, you know, the ills of the country now, and it always happens. New generations blame the, the past, right? Someone's got to clean the mess up. At this point, it's Jason DeVos yeah. and the current leadership, right? And, and it's probably unfair to hold them accountable to the past crimes and sins of previous leadership. Uh, right. But the bottom line is, we're in this mess, and someone's got to fix it, right? But yeah, I, I get what you're saying there 100%. I mean, listen, the fact is that Canada are about to kick off a World Cup and they haven't got a deal in place. They don't know what that looks like. I mean, it's, it's just jarring, yeah. I think, as, as a soccer fan. I right? think what yeah. we've got we to keep in mind, too, is we've had some business leaders run this, this organization and, and have failed and have put together terrible, ter- terrible agreements. We've asked for football people to get involved with, within this organization, and now we do have a, a football person um, who's leading it now. And I think we've got to give him a chance. We have to give him a chance. And so far, he seems to have that, that communication. Now, he's only been in there a few months. And for him to overlook absolutely everything 
and look into every nook and cranny. That's impossible to do right now. So he's got one thing he's trying to focus on is obviously trying to get this deal over the line and and then see what see what he does next. I mean, look, all eyes are going to be on him, but I think you got to give him a chance. As, and and as an ex footballer um, in that position, I'm happy to see it, and hopefully he does well with it. Mind you, putting so much weight on your shoulders, alumni, that terrifies me. You idiots, Christ. <laughs> yeah. How can you help? Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on to some footy picks? Something a bit more lighthearted? Yeah? Let's Sound good? It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was awfully serious two. today, this morning, wasn't it, for a Friday? A little bit, it yeah. Was. Three, two, and one. Q. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Oh, now we're DJ Mellow D. It's for T-Picks. It's for T-Picks. It's for T-Picks. Have you guys watched yourself when you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I know we're great. Great. You just watched yourself. <laughs> we're idiots. Fuck, you know. Yeah, it's true, I actually. It. We are idiots. All right, <laughs> listen. <laughs> big games this weekend. Big, big games. We've got some Gold Cup action. We've got Canada against Guatemala in the Gold Cup. That's huge. Let's look at some odds on TonyBet.ca. Currently, Guatemala underdogs plus 480. Canada minus 204 favorites, and so they should be. Of course, they were against Guadeloupe as well. They were minus 910 favorites against Guadeloupe, got the draw. So you could have won some money there if you were brave, like Craig, who won a lot of money. So what works for Guadeloupe... Traitor. If you you go for your double chance in Guatemala or a draw, right, that's plus 123, okay? But Jimmy is adamant, right, that that Canada is going to beat Guatemala. Yeah. Right, Jimmy. Give me give me a reason why we should be throwing all our money at Canada, despite there being very little value in that. I just feel that they've got a point to prove. I think they'll be disappointed with the last result. They felt they should have got something out of the match, and I think this is going to be a match that's going to be a bit of a statement for the group. And I fancy them to win. I think, I think an extra few days as well, uh, getting that game out of the way, uh, tons of debuts, um, that emotional side of things is going to help put that behind them. And maybe being away from Canada isn't such a bad thing either. Um, distractions are less uh, from the outside, uh, family, friends, wanting tickets, these sort of things that some of the players are not really familiar with. So I think they're going to, that extra few days is good for them. And I think they'll, They'll be working hard to get their structure right, and I, I fancy Canada to win this by a couple goals. Okay, well, listen, if you want to you know, find some value with Canada winning, then, then let's look at the total goals here as well. If you expect goals, and listen, there were chances, right? They could have scored some, some goals against, more goals against Guadeloupe. Over mm-hmm. three and a half, so four goals total in this game is plus 190. Combine that with, with uh, a Canada win. And, and suddenly it's, it's looking more interesting, isn't it? So uh, you're mm. thinking over four goals or over three and a half in this one? Mm. I, don't, I don't know. I, I, if we had our, our, our starting front line, I would say yes, because I went over on Honduras at home because Honduras are not anywhere near what they used to be. But um, no, I don't sure it's going to be over four or three and a half, but potentially three. Dubs, any thoughts? Oh, I was going to say a brace for Cavallini. <laughs> what are the odds in that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he likes the lower uh, lower teams. He scored a lot of goals against them. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. Well, I like I like Canada. I like it. You know what? I'm gonna. I think they're going to find themselves in this one. I do. I think we're going to see uh, that performance we've been looking for for a long time. We saw enough snippets of it in an otherwise underwhelming game against Guadeloupe. So I, I think Canada's going to smash him. And I think Craig's right. Less pressure, although let's be honest, Bima was hardly a, a bu- bubbling cauldron, was it? <laughs> Earlier this week, unfortunately. But I'll, I'll take Canada for a win. And yeah, I'm going over three and a half. I'm going for a four nil win there. Get some nice Ooh. value in that, okay? Four nil? Yeah, why not? All right. With you. With you. No. I would think no, three. I'm going to say <laughs> three, one or two nil. Yeah. I'm going to say maybe a two, one. Hmm. Two, one. But you are so confident that Canada's going to win, but two, one? That doesn't scream confidence mm-hmm. to me. Do you think that John goes with Borean again? Or do you think we see somebody else in that? That's a really good question. That's a good really question. Good question. Right? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's interesting. I think they should try and play some somebody else uh, for the experience. But I would. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I would. All right. I think so St. Clair in net and 2 0 in Canada. All right. Good. Put you guys on that. <laughs> Can't believe you guys are all going for Canada. It's so unlike you. <laughs> what are you talking about? So predictable. <laughs> Canada's playing Brazil. I think Canada can win this one. We you pick Canada over, over the U.S. <laughs> well, I also bet Canada win the last match, but not by freaking seven goals or whatever it was. Hey, didn't you pick the U.S. over it. Canada in the Nations League final? Uh, I did, yeah. Oh, short memory, huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, I'm being realistic. That's my whole point. Well, that, you guys, so you, you must pick Canada. You pick Canada. You pick Canada. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's because you bet. You bet against Canada against Guadeloupe. Oh, you didn't. That's why you're a traitor. I didn't. I did. I did as well, but not until later in the game <laughs> when it looked tighter. I did some live betting in that one. Whereas you, 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 uh, you set your stall out about two days before and put some money on the draw, which turned out very well. But uh, you're a traitor. That's why. And uh, I was just referring Sarah, to the fact say, that. Did you say light betting or life betting? Life betting, life betting, light betting, late betting, late betting, in, oh, live, late live, betting. live, okay. live betting, okay. live, live game, late, in game. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm uh, not you down touch for some, uh, should we touch some MLS here? <laughs> yeah. Terry yeah. Dunfield's debut as coach. Now, will he get the new manager bounce? He's been given, from what we hear, around four games before they make a decision. There's a short list there. TFC's playing Real Salt Lake in Toronto. You can get plus money for Toronto. Um, Plus 125 for the win. Uh, Real Sonics at plus 185. What are you thinking in this one? Uh, sort of the game is where? It's in Toronto, is it not? Toronto's winning that. Two to one. You sound very, very sure about that. Yeah. I'm hopeful for Terrence. Real Salt Lake, though, I think is quite good on the road, and they have good form of late. I say a draw. Yeah, they're sitting sixth right now in the West. So they're a good team. They're a playoff team. I'm taking TFP, and I think our buddy Dunfield's going to do the job. He'll get a win. Well, I hope so. But, I mean, there's been no evidence to suggest that TFC can beat a playoff team right now, is there? No evidence whatsoever. And a plus 185 for Real Salt Lake. I like that. I like Real Salt Lake in this one. Expect the shackles to be off. Hmm. 
I love my double chances. It does kind of cover you off, right? So, yeah, a draw or Ryan, uh, not in this one, a draw or Royal Salt Lake is one, minus 188. Um, let's see here. Draw no bet. That's interesting. So basically, what does that mean draw, again? draw. It means draw. You get your money back. So oh. it's plus one hundred nine. Still plus money for Real Salt Lake in that case. TFC don't win games, even with Terry. And they don't score goals. They don't score goals. But but Eltel's had them for almost a week. Hey, it's up now. Got, it's they, up to the Italians now, isn't it? Team. Toronto FC have quality in that team. They just need some direction, get themselves going, and I think. Uh, hmm. I think we're going to see that on the weekend. I really hope you're right. I really do. But I have no faith in this team. I do too. <laughs> well, there was that video of Insigne. I don't know if it was on TFC's socials, but he had the biggest smile I'd seen from him probably since he signed. Well, in so that that's, case, I changed, that's I changed gotta my mean name. something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, of course he's What's... smiling. He's, he's got rid of the, uh, the, 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 the demon, right? Yeah. And then he found out Terry Dunfield was his coach. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of manager do you think Terry will be? You know, you guys know him, Jim. You know him really well. Yeah. Like, I mean, we know Terry. He's a grin, a really like laid back, funny guy. Um, has he got that that edge? Do you think he's coached the under seventeens for a while now at TFC? Done a good job there. Has he got that? He's obviously an ex pros competitive, very competitive. Has he got that switch? Do you think to be a prick when he has to be? I think he. I think he could have it in his back pocket. I mean, we all, as we as we know Terry, you know Terry's a likable guy, and I think he'll be that that players manager that can you know relate to them. You'll know, have open discussions with them, conversations with them, um, and I think if if a player does need somewhat of a bollocking, and I think he can do it. But I think Terry would do it in a clever way. He won't be that rah rah in your face. You know, he's not aggression. throwing things around the dressing room no. type of guy. No, he's going to be. He'll handle it in a different way. Yeah, I think he will. I think it'll be a case of, listen, uh, he doesn't know how long he's exactly going to have this. Uh, he's in a position where he wants to be successful too, and hopefully they can work together as a as a group, as a coach, as a group of very good players, and they can turn this thing around. That's what he'll be hoping. Yeah, We'll get him on the show soon, and I want to really piss him off and see how angry we can get him. Let's find out. Let's, let's we'll get him on next here. week. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we will. All right, um, other MLS games, uh, Dubs? Your Montreal is uh, home to New York City FC. Yep, and they're looking to break a, a league record because they got their sixth win at home, shutout win, and that tied Kansas City's 2,000 record for six consecutive shutouts at home. So they're looking for their seventh against a team in NYC that's on an 11-game winless streak, and in their last 10 games, they've only been able to muster one goal. <laughs> you, you guys can't score either no that's true did you guys see there there's potentially rumors of, of a big name coming to to cf montreal which would be completely um contrary to the ph- philosophy of olivier renard a big, but a the, big name. The eden yeah eden azar uh name is is being well, he's, you know, he, he's not he's just big not just a big name he's just big <laughs> yeah exactly massive what's he gonna be like there <laughs> montreal sandwiches if he got fit, he'd be incredible, right? I mean, that would be some signing if he comes fit. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see Hazard in Montreal. By the way, they're plus 123. Uh, and what you said there, Dubs, I mean, they are looking pretty good in this match. They should win this match by the form book, right? Plus yep. 123? I'll throw Sirwa, some money down on that. Yeah, Sirwa has eight shutouts and I think the last 11 games. 
So, so I, I know I know they don't know a lot about betting, and I and I think I threw this out last week, but I think the under there because NYC doesn't have a lot of proven goal scoring either. They have okay. Pereira. That's about it. Uh, look good on set pieces, so that might be a solution against CF Montreal. I tend to switch off on those, but I think the under. Well, how about this then? So, um, sorry, I'm, I'm messing up my uh, my parlay here. So uh, Montreal to win, both teams to score plus one hundred six. Mm-hmm. Sorry, both teams not to score plus one hundred six, which means that you know obviously Montreal shut out New York City FC. In this case, that looks decent. I like that. Nil nil. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That's over. I like the draw there. So stupid. <laughs> hey, Jimmy Brennan, were you the first captain of TFC? I wasn't sure. I'm listening to this podcast. <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. I don't know why we're friends. Hi, Jimmy Brennan here, first captain of Toronto FC. That's right. <laughs> Come on, you Reds. <laughs> All right, listen, we're out of time. Uh, Who's got the wake up, Scott? Come on. Oh, okay, well, how, will you tell Jesus us, Greg? Christ. How about you tell us? They got sporting, sporting, sporting Kansas City KC. away. Away, and I fancy Van- them. Vancouver to win is plus 250. And they huh? can't score See me? Goals. See me with the betting? See? Yeah. Yes, Amy, he's got it. Holy crap. This is where it all starts to go wrong for Amy in her life. <laughs> yeah. this, this betting's easy, this game. Life betting fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plus 250 on the road against Sporting KC. Yeah, they're missing a couple. And then Ali Ahmad, obviously, is, Ahmed is missing. He's been great. But I still like Vancouver to get a result there. Um, yeah. 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 Vancouver win, Toronto win, Montreal draw is what I'm going with. I mean, KC, I mean, they're, they're, they're four points back of Vancouver in the standings. Yeah. yeah. I just like the, the way that Vancouver is playing right now. I agree. I concur with first captain of TFC, Jim Brennan. <laughs> did you see uh, Did you see Vanny Santini at the Nickelback concert? He did it. He was on stage. He sang the song. It was amazing. He's great. I didn't see it. No. Yeah. Yep. I he saw it. It was great. Brilliant. Hopefully get some fans in the stadium now. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's, there's three bajillion Nickelback fans for some reason, so get some yeah. of them. I remember Brian, uh, Brian Adams played at Ipswich Town at a Portman Road live concert once and i was waiting for the nod you didn't get it <laughs> no i didn't get it you wanted to be like courtney cox in the in the video with uh, with bruce up on the stage remember <laughs> yeah you're just desperate to get called up there yep. didn't happen didn't happen but oh. i wanted a mic i wanted to sing would you have sung would you have done a, a vanny sartini yeah you would have well, done let's it. Hear i got my first real six string, six string. In the summer of no, I'm not gonna give you that. I'd like to do it when I'm a little spontaneous. <laughs> yeah. What is Brian Adams' best song? What is his best song? Which is best song? Mm. I've got to tell you, I've got a bit of a soft spot for everything I do. I do it for you. Cuts oh, like a knife. God. I like the ballads. Oh, I've got to tell you, I like a good old ballad and Robin Hood. That was a great movie. I was gonna say you love Robin Hood. I knew <laughs> I it. It all starts and ends with "Run to You." Run to you is a great song. It is. Yeah, oh, cuts like a knife. You of that? Is that one? Huh? His early stuff. Cuts like a knife. Oh, That's a good yeah. one too. There's a lot That's of great good. songs. You know, he was almost bigger in, in England than he was in Canada. Or is. I, I went to watch him actually at Wembley and uh, I went backstage. He didn't actually come in. 
uh, funny enough. <laughs> some of the other band members did. Um, but Chrissy Hines was in there from the Chrissy Hines. Hey, oh, the Pretenders. I'm seeing them. I'm seeing them in September. Are you? They're opening up for Guns N' Roses. The oh, Pretenders. Nice. I didn't think about that for a concert. Wow. No, but Axel yeah. lives that long. I went well, back to Ohio. <laughs> as long as Chrissy Hine lives that long, I'll be happy. That's fine. Chrissy Hine is fucking cool, man. She yeah. Is. And now totally 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 cool. like cool respect as well. And also um, the lead singer of The Who uh, was there. Uh, Daltrey. Daltrey. Roger Daltrey was in the yeah. back there. They, the respect for Brian Adams from musicians and things, I, I, was, over, I was pretty blown away considering mm. the stick he gets in Canada. But nothing surprises me <laughs> here. We, we just don't support our own. We don't. Oh, fucking no. forest, man. Glass half empty. It's okay. not that All right, bad. We still, okay, we love Brian Adams and Celine Dion. And the hip. I think so. Take yes, it easy. Come on now. Brian's different class. All right, listen, got to go. Uh, just a reminder, the Catch Canada playing Guatemala on Saturday. Fubo TV, fubotv.com slash footy prime. Jimmy? Uh, CPL games, quickly. Yes, thank you. Oh, wow. Friday, tonight, Halifax versus Forge. Ooh. I'm going. And yes, Amy's going. Amy's going. Yes, love it. So look I'm us torn, here though. tonight. Yep. Has Halifax won a game yet? No, they, yes, have. they have. Yeah. yeah. They're playing better. Pacific plays Ottawa in Pacific. Big game. In Top like the, the Pacific Ocean? Pacific. They're a good side. Very, very good side. <laughs> Shout out to James Merriman doing a wonderful job out there. Saturday we have Fowler. James Merriman. Yeah. <laughs> Settle down, Amy. Settle down. He's hot. He is. Yeah. Saturday, Valor at home to Calvary. And Sunday, Vancouver FC at home to York United. We should mention Wait, the Wanderers Forge game is uh, the Tony Bet match of the week as well. There we go. I'm yeah. torn though, because I'm I want to cheer for for the East Coast team. That's where my sister-in-law's family's from. We're going to be there. There's going to be the Walsh O'Connor bump, right, for us being in, in the stands. But also my friend Kit is the assistant coach for, for Forge. Oh, you're torn. That's going to be a tough one, eh? I am. Oh. Where is your allegiance? Is it family or your friend? Oh, boy. Family. Blood is, blood is thicker than something or other. Oh, sure. Yeah. So you want to help us win them. She got yeah. three tickets. Sorry, Kit. That's right. Maybe I should confirm that he is, in fact, leaving me tickets before I make that show. Oh, so you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't buy the tickets. You're not supporting local football. No, I think we're doing a hybrid. We're getting some tickets, but then I'm also happy to, to contribute. You, I'm sure well, you will at the bear stand. Money in there. Yeah, she'll be oh, paying. No. Oh, my God. Food oh, and beverage. Guys, after a week out here visiting my brother, so my older brother is five years older than me, and then JP is my brother's best pal. My husband. That's no how way. I've known GP. Yeah, my my husband since we were twelve because he's my no older brother's way. best pal. Mm-hmm. Since you were twelve, so the two of them. It's you guys always... must hate each other by now. <laughs> yeah. The Hallmark guys, of a really strong marriage. You guys sleeping in bunk beds now? <laughs> why? Why, why? Why do you have to take it that way? <laughs> we would. No, very healthy marriage. I will just say. No, but after a week spent well, with my brother. Like it is, I need like a detox run. It's like mm. so much drinking, which I enjoy. It sounds but awful. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a blast wow. though. But you guys, like the weather is sucked. So I'm um, fingers crossed that for tonight for the game that maybe the the rain kind of quits for at least a couple of hours. But like just sort of par for the course this week. Like haven't really been able to do what we normally do. 
the snowbirds for Canada Day were meant to do a test run. They were meant to fly in formation under the McDonald Bridge. So Ian's a cop. So he had like intel on when they were going to be doing the rehearsal. So that's what we were all going to do. Like right after I end the podcast with you guys, we're going to go down and we had reservations at like a pub and grab some lunch and watch the snowbirds do this because, because the weather is so shit. It was canceled. Oh, no. And that's just the way the week has been going. When, 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 half glass full. When display jets, do they do rehearsals? Are they called rehearsals? Doesn't sound right to me. No, but I mean, I don't know. What else would you call it? When you first said the snowbirds, I I had this image of these old people, like, you know, running around. Oh. Doing some kind of dance. But the actual planes, you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Like the red arrows. Anyway. The red arrows, that's right, yeah. 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 When was that? What year was that? What, didn't the snowbird go down into Lake Ontario during the X? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know. It did? No, it's horrible. It did. He not ejected. To, not to, did he? He ejected. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> he <laughs> I <hope> ejected. So. <laughs> I hope so. Well, we'll be rejected any more of this conversation. Continues. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're out of time. It's been a long one. Our thanks to Jason DeVos. Uh, we could have gone on for a lot longer. We're getting back on the show for sure at some point. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Wonga, we love you, pal. And we'll chat to you very shortly. Keep buying newspapers. Cheers for listening. Follow us on Twitter at footy underscore prime and on Instagram at footy prime IG. Better. Good show. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.